three, two, one. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Anyone Can Run podcast. The podcast for those brand new to running who want to make sure they begin their journey on the road to Gainesville on the right foot. I am your host, True Bros, a.k.a. Gabe, a.k.a. the proprietor of the Twitch Gym, and I am an NCCA certified personal trainer who specializes in playing games, making gains, and helping clients reach their health and fitness goals. This is the podcast where we cover nutrition, training, running gear, everything you need to know about what it takes to complete your first race, whether it's a 5K, full marathon, or anything in between. It takes a lot to tackle 13.1 or 26.2 miles, but it also takes a hell of a lot to get off the couch, make the commitment to get outdoors, and become a quote-unquote runner. Just because we emphasize completing races on Anyone Can Run doesn't mean you need to complete a race to be a runner or to live a healthy and fit lifestyle. However, I'm the kind of person who needs a tangible goal to focus on, so I say sign up for your first race regardless of distance and then get to work. Today, we're going to talk about the single most important thing you need to develop to complete the Herculean task of completing your first 26.2 in the upright position, the marathon mindset or mentality. As a personal trainer, I've worked with a variety of athletes, and in my personal opinion, it's more physically difficult to run a high-octane 5K than it is to complete 26.2, but it's undoubtedly more mentally taxing to complete a marathon. Let's get straight into what it takes to mentally prepare for the task of continuously running or walking 26.2 miles and staying focused during something that's most likely going to take you anywhere between 3 to 7 hours to complete. It's important to not only emphasize the distance you're actually looking to dominate, but also the time frame of how long you're going to be running. Tackling your first marathon isn't something you can just hurry up and get finished with. We're talking about completing 26.2 miles continuously on foot. As such, being sure you're mentally dialed in and prepared to complete the task is of the utmost importance. Have you ever gone on a three-hour plus road trip where you've got nothing but the open road ahead of you and at random points throughout the drive you notice your mind starting to drift? If that happens when you're a few miles into a race, you're liable to either quit, get injured, or for some reason not reach your goal of completing a marathon in the upright position. It's not easy remaining dead focused on a specific task for hours at a time, but that's exactly what you're going to need to do for the duration of the race. Fortunately, there are a number of ways to keep your mind occupied, and we're going to cover several, including the pros and cons of each. Running with headphones and listening to something, podcasts, music, whatever, is something many runners swear by. And I'll admit, for my first two years of running, I could not comprehend the thought of going out for a run without a pair of headphones. There's an app I used to use before I signed up for my race called Zombies Run, which tells you a story as you run and has some gamification aspects such as gathering resources and base building, which I used to love. However, it's been a solid four or five years since I fired it up. Over the past couple years, I've gotten away from running with music or podcasts regularly, specifically because I began to feel as if I was using it as a crutch, meaning if I didn't have my headphones, I couldn't go for a run. Maybe you won't have that same level of association I did, but I felt in order to take my training and fitness to the next level, I needed to break away from my reliance on my trusty headphones. Still, 
If you're just starting out and you're doing a variation of the run-walk method, maybe you're only running for 10 seconds and then walking for 50, your mind may start to wander and listening to something or even talking on the phone because you should be running at a pace which allows you to carry on a conversation even at the end is not a bad way to keep you mentally focused. I still run with music occasionally, maybe once or twice a week. However, as I typically train in my neighborhood, which means I'm crossing streets with traffic pretty frequently, I now just use Spotify and play the music using my phone's speaker. This allows me to listen to the music when traffic isn't passing by and still hear any oncoming cars, which is something you, as a runner, should always be cognizant of. I've also seen plenty of people run with music using this method or even Bluetooth speakers at the most popular trails in my city and on race day. But if you're running through your neighborhood, it's probably not the best idea to be running with a Bluetooth speaker blaring Pitbull or this podcast as much as I'd appreciate you getting out there and spreading the word. As long as you're running and safe while doing so, listen to whatever motivates you to get out and pound the pavement. The importance of mental distractions to runners both training and on race day cannot be trivialized. While headphones can certainly provide an auditory distraction, it's important to bear in mind where you're training. I'm the kind of person who runs the same route repeatedly for a number of reasons. The first and most obvious is convenience. I typically run in my neighborhood because it's right outside my door, so there's no laborious drive to a gym or a trail. The second is to monitor my progress. Keeping records of your runs and any associated accomplishments and struggles are an integral part of the marathon mentality we'll dive into here in just a few minutes. I check my time and pace every half mile while running. And if I hit mile two in 20 minutes on my typical route one week and mile two a couple weeks later in 25 minutes, I know I need to pick up the pace. This provides an immediate mental distraction while running as I'm constantly focused on my pace. However, I'd advise against leaning hard on time and pace when training for your first race. I'm providing this as a quick anecdote to illustrate why I run the same routes repeatedly. However, just because something helps me maintain focus doesn't mean this would work for everyone. Even if you're getting outside and running, if you're following the same path over and over, I absolutely see how this could get real old real fast. This is another mental distraction that admittedly I tend to overlook in my own training, but one I'm always sure to emphasize with my clients. If you have the time and access to running trails, parks, fancy gyms, whatever, don't be afraid to mix up the location of your training runs. Depending upon the training plan you're adhering to, you're going to be running three or four days a week, and running in the same place repeatedly, even if it's one you're fond of, may cause mental fatigue and serve as a deterrent to you wanting to get out and run. If you're excited by discovering new places in your local area, and that's what helps you look forward to your run, spend a few minutes on the weekend mapping out places you can complete your conditioning and long runs in. The environmental or visual or mental distraction is something I completely ignore during my training. And I'm advising you to do as I say, not as I do in this instance, but it's something I absolutely look forward to on race day. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Selecting your first race is one of the most exciting things a new runner and future marathoner can do. And I look forward to seeing on social media where all of you decide to tackle your first race. Considering running your first race is a culmination of fundamental life changes, hard work, and sacrifice, I recommend running a destination race for a few reasons. 
One is to make a vacation out of it. Two is to celebrate this milestone achievement. And three, and the reason most relevant to the marathon mentality, is to immerse yourself in a new locale so you can have a guaranteed mental distraction throughout the duration of the course. If you run every single conditioning run along the same route due to scheduling and only have access to one or two long trails in your city, odds are you're going to be very familiar with them by the time race week rolls around. Why not make a landmark race, such as the Big Sur Marathon, the Walt Disney World Marathon, or the Rock and Roll Las Vegas Marathon your first race? Even if you've been to Vegas before and you've strolled the strip, I can guarantee you there's nothing quite like running one of the most iconic boulevards in the world after sunset under the lights of the world-famous neon temples. Now, it's also easy to get caught up in all the race day excitement and not stick to your game plan, but that's a conversation for a different episode. Since we're discussing the significant role environmental distractions can play while running a marathon, a destination or landmark race, such as those previously mentioned, can play that role to perfection. The goal is to maintain focus during an hours-long, physically trying endeavor and complete 13.1 or 26.2 miles in the upright position. Whatever it takes to keep your mind focused, headphones, running in a new environment, whatever, make the effort to integrate these into your training and race plans. Because the last thing you want to do is not get out and run because you don't feel like it when you're otherwise ready to go. While we're on the subject of feeling like running, we all have those days where we don't want to work out. It's like Hannah Montana said, everybody has those days. It doesn't matter how fit you are or how many races you've knocked out. We all have those days where we're feeling physically fine, but we're just not mentally in the game. It's a normal part of life every runner is familiar with, so don't beat yourself up if you skip out on a run or two. However, instilling self-discipline and accountability, whether that comes from an external source or not, is critical to completing your first race. Discipline is a hard thing to develop, and it takes time, but as long as you're making training and healthy decisions an integral part of your day, you're on the right path. Everyone talks about motivation, and that's good. Motivation is extrinsic and can serve as the catalyst for you deciding to make a fundamental life change and sign up for your first race. Maybe there's a specific event down the road. Maybe you just have a desire to better yourself. Motivation can be found in a variety of places as long as you're looking for it. It can serve as the driving force for you signing up for your race. And more often than not, it's what leads to clients seeking me out to help them begin their journey on the road to Gainesville on the right foot. However, like we said, motivation is external and fleeting. And while it may make you gung-ho about signing up for that race, discipline is what's going to help you cross that finish line strong and in the upright position. It sounds kind of aggressive, right? You've got to be disciplined. It's the only way. Rah, rah, rah. But what does discipline really mean? It means getting the job done no matter what. If you sign up for a half or a full marathon and you've never completed one before, you've got the motivation. If you download a training plan and you implement life adjustments to ensure you're able to stick to it, you've instilled self-discipline. If you wake up earlier, stay out later, and do whatever it takes to make running and training an integral part of your day, the same way you do for going to work or school, showering and eating, then you're implementing self-discipline. 
all it takes is mentally approaching your training and conversely, living a healthy and fit lifestyle as something you simply do. No negativity towards it like, oh, I have to work out or oh, I can't eat that or any of that junk. We're all intelligent adults who want to be strong and healthy. No one's telling us what we can and cannot do. The last thing you want to do is create an adversarial or contentious relationship with the thing that's going to enable you to reach your goal of completing a full 26.2 miles strong. If you make training just a part of your life, which is something your day is centered around, just like going to work and not as a chore or burden, I'd reckon your chances of instilling self-discipline and sticking to your game plan go up tremendously. This is something I work through with all of my clients, and I truly believe this to be the most integral component of the marathon mindset. When you make that fundamental life change from, oh, I have to work out to, hey, I can't wait to leave work and work out, or I need to leave my clothes out before bed so I can work out first thing, and you actually believe it, you aren't just paying lip service. You're on the road to Gainesville, and you've already adopted the most important aspect of the marathon mentality, because tackling 26.2 miles continuously is no joke. If you aren't looking forward to the challenge of a marathon, you're barking up the wrong tree. There's nothing wrong with being nervous or apprehensive, and you probably should be. Even if you've completed a training run of a similar length, it's not the same environment as race day. But having the mindset of being ready to take on that challenge head on, even if you aren't certain you'll be able to knock it out, is what serves as the catalyst for you reaching your goal of becoming a marathoner. We're talking about self-discipline, but something that can help you develop this is accountability. Accountability and self-discipline go hand in hand, but things can be easier if you've a myriad of people and sources of information keeping you accountable. I've said this a few times, but I am absolutely the kind of person who enjoys working out alone. However, even though I'm getting out and completing my runs and lifting sessions solo because I genuinely want to, I still need a way to keep myself accountable. It's not as if once you've been running for a while and make running an integral part of your day and actually look forward to your runs, everything is peachy king. It's very easy to fall back into poor dietary habits. Just go back and listen to our second episode where I recount my personal struggles with food. As such, even though you may have established the self-discipline to go out and run and to make smarter choices, there are ways to keep yourself accountable to ensure you're always progressing forward on your personal journey on the road to Gainesville, even if you're only taking baby steps forward. If you've listened to any previous episodes, by now you're familiar with my love affair with both the Garmin Connect and RunKeeper apps. We've talked about how using these apps can help you monitor your progress, but depending upon your personality, they can serve as a fantastic motivational tool. It doesn't have to just be these apps either. These are just the two that I love. The Apple Health app is fantastic, and I know a number of runners who swear by Strava and RunCoach. Find one that you enjoy and stick with it. The purpose of each of these apps is to track your runs, so you can see the distance covered, the actual GPS map of the area you ran in, and your average pace, total time, and heart rate. These can serve as fantastic guidelines to ensure you're adhering to your training plan, progressing in either time, distance, or both, and to monitor your weight, which is fantastic so you can draw some conclusions about yourself after acquiring a healthy amount of data. I've always attributed this to my affinity for video games, but I love gamification and apps, software, anything. 
I think if people see a little game where they're earning badges or can otherwise see progression, even if they aren't super invested in it, at the very least, they'll get a little chuckle out of when they see they've logged their 25th activity. As a result, I love running apps as a tool for keeping myself accountable. I thoroughly enjoy week-by-week or month-by-month comparisons so I can see if I knocked out more mileage, ran for longer, logged more activities, so on and so forth. Since I've been using RunKeeper for a few years now, my goal is to always run at least 25 more miles year over year, and that's something I always have in the back of my mind to keep myself motivated. While we're referring to using running apps such as RunKeeper in the visual sense, such as looking at our total mileage, there are a plethora of ways you can use them for auditory motivation as well. Maybe you listen to your favorite podcast, and I already know it's anyone can run, so you don't need to tell me, during your long run every week. Maybe you use a running app such as Zombies Run during your conditioning runs, and once a week you actually play the game using the resources gathered. Perhaps you use the auditory cues, which you can customize in RunKeeper to go off at different time and or distance intervals to count down how much longer you have until your run is complete. It's important to get creative when leveraging not only running apps, but everything at your disposal, not just for the mental distraction we discussed earlier, but also to keep yourself accountable to ensure you actually complete your runs. You also want to find the most efficient means of stimuli, auditory, visual, a combination of both, whatever, to keep yourself accountable. Not everyone derives utility, and I'm using that word in the economic sense, meaning usefulness, as I think that's more appropriate than satisfaction, from looking at numbers like I do. While I think seeing those numbers go up serves as a fantastic source of motivation to get out and run, I understand when you're first starting out, this may not be the case. Another thing I do to document my runs, and something I've leveraged quite a bit when training for a race, and I still do to this day, is I write my total mileage and time down for each run on a large desk calendar I've hung up on my wall. If I'm not running, I write down my sets and reps for resistance training, and if I completed yoga, I simply write yoga in the box. This is so I see my run or workout streak and have this information in numerous places to help me get out and run even if I'm not feeling like it. And if I miss a day, I write OFF in big capital letters so I don't take too many rest days. I understand if you're sticking to a first-timer's marathon training plan, odds are it's only going to consist of running three or four days a week. So perhaps purchasing a large desk calendar and hanging it on your wall isn't the most efficient means of motivation for you. To supplement, you can certainly do what my wife does and print out your actual training plan and hang it up on a wall at home or at work, and every time you complete a run, you can highlight or mark it off. If you want to take it a step further and write in the actual amount of time you spent running each day, you can certainly do that as well. While I'm a very big fan of finding various ways to keep myself accountable, hence the emphasis on apps, calendars, and otherwise things you can do to reward or motivate yourself, there is certainly a social aspect to running. You'll certainly see this on race day, if you're using community-focused running apps like Strava, or add friends on apps such as RunKeeper, but some people benefit tremendously from having another person next to them, and there's nothing wrong with that. Figuring out your predilections toward running and what helps you maintain accountability early in your training can make all the difference in the world down the road. If it's joining a running club so you can get involved socially with people, do it. If it's just going to a populated running track or gym and being around people but not necessarily interacting with them, more power to you. 
Maybe it's just tweeting people when you're going to work out or scrolling fitness content on Instagram. It doesn't matter. Figuring out what's most useful to you when it comes to maintaining accountability to help develop self-discipline is an integral part of the marathon mindset. Something else that's important is your confidence in what you're wearing. We've touched on this when we discussed running gear at length, so I don't want to harp on actual clothing selection too much, but I do want to cover how you feel in what you're wearing. Confidence can be derived from a variety of places, and if you look in the mirror prior to heading out for a run and what you're wearing makes you shake your head, you aren't doing your marathon mentality any favors. I don't care what brand of running clothing you buy, but make sure you're picking something up that makes you feel comfortable and feel good. It's an old adage, right? You look good, you feel good, and it's absolutely true. If you think you look bad or not as lively as your fellow runners on race day, and we'll cover race day expectations and etiquette at length in a future episode, then you aren't helping your mindset. However, on race day, you've got an environment and a goal to keep you focused and or distracted. Throughout the course of your training, odds are you won't have that. Do yourself a favor and pick up clothes you actually look forward to wearing because any little thing can shake your confidence and you're going to need that to go out and complete your first race. So far, we've covered mental distractions, tracking your goals, developing accountability and self-discipline, and feeling good in what you're wearing when you're out there pounding the pavement. And while each of these may seem trivial, when you combine them, they are the facets of the marathon mentality. However, in my opinion, the most important aspect of completing a marathon is knowing you can do it. We've talked about the significance of confidence before, but it is a critical component of the marathon mentality, so let's discuss how you develop and refine it. There's no substitute for experience, just like there's no substitute for hard work. You can read all the books and blogs, listen to all the podcasts in the world, and follow every guide you come across, but if you don't have the experience, your confidence can still be shaken doesn't matter if you're the most confident person in the world. If you've never ran or done cardiovascular activity and you line up at the starting line of a full marathon, you're going to be quaking, not just shaking, in your boots. One of my favorite sayings is from Diamond Dallas Page, the creator of the DDP yoga program I do at least once a week. He says, repetition is the mother of learning, and I absolutely love that. Repetition and knowledge breeds familiarity. Familiarity breeds comfort, and that potent combination of familiarity and knowledge breeds confidence. If you want to truly develop confidence in your abilities, you need to hone them. You want to be positively certain without a shadow of a doubt you can run a 5k, 10k, half or full marathon? Get out there and run. There's no cheat sheet or way to cheese completing a full marathon. No one else is going to help you run a step of that distance, and you've got to do it solo. Stick to your training plan. Dedicate time to running and you will see that with time, it gets easier. I remember the first time I completed, I won't even say ran, seven miles. I hit the dreaded quote-unquote wall, so I was absolutely gassed. My legs and ankles and everything else were absolutely killing me. But I also remember when I hit my PR for my half marathon, which was at the final rock and roll Dallas race. I'll have to recap that race down the line as it was one of the most physically excruciating experiences of my life and I pushed through pain in ways I never would have been able to before. But the experience of all my previous races enabled me to do just that. 
It sounds like a cop-out, I know, but I'm all about getting directly to the point and not giving you any fluff or telling you something I don't genuinely believe with every fiber of my being. If you don't know you can complete 26.2 miles in the upright position come race day, there's a chance you may finish and I sincerely and absolutely hope you do. But if you've already run 24 or 26 or even 28 miles in advance of the race, you're going to be supremely confident because you've already been there before. Get out there and run. Stick to your training plan and the all-important confidence will develop with time and all the miles you've logged. Not only can anyone run, I absolutely believe anyone can complete a marathon. It just takes time patience, dedication to your goal, and a whole lot of running. I appreciate you spending some time with me today, and I hope you're seeing what I see, that truly anyone can run. We drop a new episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast every Monday, in case you're in need of that Monday motivation, and yours truly drops a new video on YouTube and accompanying post over at TrueGrowth.com every workout Wednesday, while we're covering food, travel, gaming, tech, and all types of wild stuff in between. We also like to open the Twitch gym, located at twitch.tv slash truebroslive randomly, so be sure to follow and turn on notifications if you ever want to talk running or anything else with me in real time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Anyone Can Run, and if you do, you can rate, review, like, share, and subscribe. If you didn't enjoy it well, you get what you pay for, and regardless, I look forward to seeing you on the road to Gainesville.